Yeah, last week we looked at the, the phrase, the fear of God in Revelation 14. Fear God and give Him glory. And especially we explored the Ten Commandments in relationship to that. So this week we're looking at Lesson 8 in our Three Angels series. And the title is, The Creator's Special Day Attacked. We want to explore more about you know, God's call in Revelation to worship the Creator God. So before we jump into our study, let's have a word of prayer as we get going here. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this evening and thank you for this opportunity to study the Bible. We know that your word has the answers for our lives. And if it's not in the Bible, we don't want it. And if it is in the Bible, then we want it. So we pray that you will guide us and teach us and give us a clear and true understanding of your word tonight. Help us, Lord, to know your will for our lives And may our hearts be open to surrender all to you, Lord, to follow you in your leading at every step. So we thank you for your blessing in this, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight's lesson, the Creator's Special Day Attacked. And there's a couple of things, a couple ideas that kind of come up when you're first thinking about this particular topic. One of them is reminders. Is it important to have reminders in society? Things like anniversaries to remember, to remember marriages, to remember friends and friendships. Is it important to remember, uh, to remember those things? It's important, isn't it? It's important to have anniversaries and memorials and things, you know, where you remember to have an, have those appointed days. I think it's important to, to recall. Yeah, they need to remind you about those things because you forget, isn't it? (laughs) So remembering our anniversaries is very important. Helps us to remember those special events in our lives and to remember decisions that are connected with that and relationships that are connected with those events. That's very, very important to celebrate those things. It's also important that we get rest from work. Do you think so? Yes. We need rest in this life? Yeah, we need rest. You know, I think about how the devil tried to grind the children of Israel right into the ground back there in Egypt with Pharaoh. Tried to have them make bricks without straw and make them work overtime to try to catch up with everything and keep things going and still produce and output, output, output. So there was that, that spirit of Satan, really, where he was just trying to grind them into the ground and not give them any time to rest or really focus on the meaningful things in life, especially the worship of God, the true God. So the the three angels' messages in Revelation are calling the entire world back to the true worship of the Creator God. And we're going to head over to Revelation 14, verse 7, and take a look at God's call for the entire world today. Revelation 14, and verse 7. Does anyone have that handy in their Bible that could read it for us? He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, because in the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of waters. All right. Thank you very much. So, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him. Last time we looked at the idea of fearing God and keeping His commandments, the connection between the fear of God and keeping the commandments of God. This is a connection that we find throughout the entire 
Bible throughout all of Scripture. Very important connection. And giving glory to God and also knowing that, that God's time of judgment has come in these last days that we're living in this, this judgment hour of earth's history, the last days of earth's history. And the Lord is coming very, very soon. Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that? So we want to be ready for the coming of Jesus. And in this call, it says, Worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Worship the Creator God. And this, this expression is found in different places throughout Scripture. Worship Him who made all of those things. And Revelation wants us to remember that we are worshiping the Creator. We are not worshiping a man-made God. We are not worshiping an idol. We're not worshiping the creature more than the Creator. So we want to worship the, the Creator. And um, the Bible also reminds us that, that God made us and we did not make Him. We've looked at that before in our lessons together. We've studied that. So we did not invent Him. He made us instead. And of course, the theory of evolution is obviously a miss from this call of Revelation. God is saying, look, that is not where you came from. You came from the hands of a loving God. You did not come up by chance through a process of death and suffering like evolution is. Instead, we were made by the hands of a loving God, and God wants us to remember that. He wants us to follow Him and worship Him as our Creator and Redeemer. In the first angel's message, it tells us about the everlasting gospel, the good news. So we have a, a God who saves us and a God who made us. The Bible tells us to worship God as both of those because He is both of those to us. He is the one who gave us our origin, who made us, who brought us here. And so we want to keep that in mind. But to understand this better, this, this true worship of God that the Lord is calling us back to in these last days, we need to go back to the story in Genesis, in the beginning, to look at what happened with the creation account. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 31, we find all of the different days laid out, the days of creation week. How many days were there in which God was creating the things of the world? There were six. And we know that on the first three days of the week, God was forming the environments. Light and darkness on day one, He formed also the realm of time. He gave us the unit of a day. He says in the evening and the morning were the first day. That's in Genesis 1. And then we have the eating in the morning were the second day. And of course, God had defined the day on day one with the light and darkness, with the evening and the morning. So first you have the dark part of the day, and then you have the light part of the day. And then on day two, we have the, the skies that were created, and there were waters down below, and the waters were called seas. So you have the skies and the seas. And on the third day, the Bible tells us that God made the land to come up and to separate from the waters. So you have the land and you have the waters. And the land produced all kinds of green stuff, vegetation that was below the level of the water, like kelp and algae and all kinds of water plants, aquatic plants. And then you have the other plants growing up on the surface of the earth outside of the water and producing lots of fruit, lots of wonderful things to eat. And so those were the environments now, on days four, five, and six, God spent time filling those environments. 
So on day four, he filled the environment that he created on day one. That is the light and darkness and the realm of time. So you have time and space, light and darkness. Those things, God, God filled that on day four because he put the sun, the moon, and the stars into the sky. He built this incredible solar system. And some people wonder, well, where'd the light come from on day one? Well, first of all, God is light, isn't he? God is light. And if he says, let there be light, there will be light. So on day four, he simply centralized light and he put his system in place to control and regulate that light. Before that time, he was just regulating it based on his own will, his own desire. Because anyway, light comes from God. God is light. So uh, from the Lord, there's this glory that comes forth. So on day four, God made the sun, moon, and stars, and he said that these things would be for signs and for seasons. And they would tell us about years and months and all of those different units of time. It could be calculated by those things, right? So it regulates the day, regulates the night, regulates your monthly cycle, regulates the year. And God said that in Genesis 1.14. Somebody want to read that for us? And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. All right. Thank you. So here the Bible tells us that God created our environment and God created our solar system. And God said these things will be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. So there are some people who come along and they try to blend evolution and the Bible, <clears throat> which you really cannot do with any justice. And they'll try to say, well, look, these, these days were just long ages of time and all that. Now, first of all, you're going to have some problems with that because on day three, God made all the green stuff. And what does green stuff need to grow? It needs light. It needs the sun, doesn't it? It needs that, that light. So they would have had some troubles with that, even though God did make some light there, but he had not put the, the uh, bodies or the, uh, I guess, the, the ruling powers of light in the sky. He had not put those in place yet. So there would be a problem with that kind of arrangement. But you know, the Bible tells us here that in this creation week, God gave us these specific units of time that we are using today. God created those days and it was a day, it was a 24-hour day, because that's what God said here. And we see that He actually set up these, these months, these signs, these uh, seasons, these days and years. So all of, it, all of it was put in place to regulate our periods of time. So God is the one who established the basic units of time. And you wonder, well, where did we get a week in human history? Where did we get a seven-day week? Well, isn't it right here in Genesis? <laughs> that God created everything in six days and then rested on the seventh day, which we're going to look at here as we go along. So all of it was given to us. God structured everything and he made this perfect system. So we have day four where God fills up the environments of day one. On day five, God fills up the environments that he created on day two, where you have the, the air and you have the waters from day two, basically the expanse of the sky, the firmament that was created there on day two. So what did God put in the sky on day five? How did he fill those environments, the sky and the waters? Did God fill them on day five? 
Well, yes, he made the, the fish for the oceans, all kinds of sea creatures, and he made the birds that would fly in the sky. And we think about, you know, how man can take an airplane and go up in the sky today. Well, whose idea was that to fly? It was God's idea, wasn't it? God is the one that in fact showed us it's possible. When you see those birds out there flying through the air, you're like, how is that bird flying? Okay, he's got some wings. Well, we can try to figure that out. We can make some <laughs> wings. And uh, somehow he's got, you know, he's able to control himself with his feathers. So we've got to figure out how to control your direction on those wings. And how do you get your speed up there? You know, so of course they figured out, well, you can put an engine on an airplane. So basically it's God's idea to be able to fly. All of that stuff was just shown to us here in the creation. God knows the rules of his, of his world, the rules of his universe, how he created things to be. And so God gave us all of this. And then we see on day number six that God created the animals, all kinds of animals, and all these were created after their kind. They had specific kinds or groups and they could reproduce. They had seed, they could reproduce. So that's the amazing thing that God allowed these creatures and plants to reproduce. And obviously they have different systems for that, but somehow related to a lot of similarities between the different creatures with these various systems for life. So that brings us down to the, the last thing on day number six. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And God gave dominion to humankind. And the Bible tells us that Adam did not, he couldn't find anybody, right? He couldn't find anybody to be married to. And God took a rib, this is in Genesis 2, where it elaborates on the creation story. In other words, it tells us more details to the creation story. Uh, Genesis 1 lays out the overview. Genesis 2 gets into some more of the details, but it also caps off the week with the final day of the week. That's also found in Genesis 2, the first three verses of it, which we're going to look at here in just a moment. But I want to point out once more that mankind was created on day six. So we have the entire uh, event of the creation week, and it's important to know that God had planned this week out and God carried out this week because it's the very week we have today. Six days were common working days. But something happened on the seventh day that was a bit different. God himself showed us something different on the seventh day. This is verses 1, 2, and 3 of Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. <coughs> Okay, thank you very much. So the Bible tells us that the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. That's verse 1. God created all those things and it was a beautiful world. But there was something else that God wanted to do on the seventh day of his week. He wasn't quite done yet. He had one more day that he wanted there to be in the week. And that gives us seven. Seven is a complete cycle. Seven is used throughout the Bible. God loves number seven. You look at Revelation, there's how many churches? Seven churches. How many seals? Seven. How many trumpets? Seven. How many last plagues? Seven. There's a lot of sevens throughout the Bible. And so it's a very important number to God. 
number seven. And it is the day, in fact, where God chose to rest from his creative work. Now, all of God's work was good. You can't say that his work wasn't good. Everything was good. Everything was perfect. And yet he gave us another day. He gave us a day for resting. And he didn't do all those good things on his day of rest. He saved all those good things for the other common working days. But on the day of rest, the Bible says God rested. Now, he was not tired, was he? He was not tired. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't slumber or sleep. So there's a reason why God made a day of rest and why God himself rested on this day. There was something different about the focus. The focus was not on doing, but the focus was on being. It was on existing together with his creatures. Because Adam and Eve, their first full day of life was together with God, their creator. And God didn't say, all right, get to work, you people. He said, no, let's spend some time together. I'm going to show you what I've made, what I've created for you. So God took that time for relationship, special time. And we see that God did some other very important things here. In verse 2 of Genesis 2, it says, On the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. Now, the word for rest in the Hebrew is the word Shabbat which is where we get the English word Sabbath. And this, by the way, this word is used in actually many languages too. There's uh, very similar renderings of that word in many languages of the world, like over 120 languages of the world. We can find that the word Sabbath or equivalent to it is used for the seventh day of the week. For example, in, in the Spanish language, what, what do they call the seventh day of the week? Sabado. Sabado, right? So, you know, why would they have in their language pretty much the same word as the Hebrew, Shabbat, Sabbath, which means rest. So, God himself rested on the seventh day of the week. He Shabbated or Sabbathed. It was God's day of rest. It was God's rest. And notice here verse 3, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So the Lord blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. He made it holy. Now, this kind of blessing was not pronounced upon the other days. Obviously, just about everything that God does is, first of all, it's good, okay? And somehow it's blessed in a sense because God is a God of blessing. And if he gives us something, it's a blessing. But there was a special pronouncement of blessing upon this day, wasn't there? It says that God blessed this day, which means he blessed the seventh day of the week on which he rested above all the other days of the week. That makes the seventh day of the week set apart from the other days. It's set apart. And in fact, the word used here, in addition to the blessing, is the word sanctified. God sanctified the seventh day of the week. If he sanctified it, what does that word mean? Now, this word is related to sanctos, which means holy. Okay, so he sanctified it. That means to set apart for holy purpose. Now, the Bible tells us that God is holy. How about us? Do you think that we are holy? We can be. Does God? Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that, because does God want us to be holy? Yes, yes, He does. 
Does God call us to be holy? Does He call us saints as, as predictiveness that He wants us to be holy ones? Yes, absolutely. But do we generate that holiness by our own personal internal goodness? Is that how that comes about? <laughs> no. No, holiness comes about through spending time in the presence of a holy God. That He transforms us by His power, by His grace, by His character working in us. So God is making us holy. Spend time with God and the holiness starts to become us. We start to learn from Him and have a character more like Him. So the Bible tells us that God made this day holy. Now you and I don't go around you know, making things holy. <laughs> we just don't go around making, I'm going to make this holy. I'm going to have a holy tomato. I'm going to have a holy potato or whatever it is. You know, you don't go making things holy. God makes things holy and we need to seek God. And yes, we need to be holy. The Bible says, be ye holy for God is holy. But that happens through connecting with God. So God made the seventh day of the week holy. He sanctified it right here as he was making this day, as he was measuring out the time of 24 hours upon the seventh day of the week, God's week, he was making this time blessed and holy. So, that's very special, isn't it? God rested on it, that's the word Shabbat or Sabbath, and God blessed it and God made it holy. He did something to this particular day of the week that he did to no other day of the week. That makes the other days of the week, the six working days, common days for a common purpose. But the seventh day of God's week, not man's week, but God's week, the seventh day is holy. It's for a holy purpose. God himself has established it that way. So now if God made the day holy, and then we were to just come along and treat it any old way we want, as if it was a common working day, what would that say about God and our relationship to God? Would that honor the Lord? If we, if we treated the, the day that He blessed and set apart as holy, if we came and treated it as if it was common, as if we could just do any kind of work on that day and not rest, you know, like, ah, oh, it's just another day. Would that honor God, yes or no? It would not honor God, would it? It would not honor God. If we just come along and say, well, I don't care if God made it holy, you know, if he blessed it, doesn't matter to me. Just another day, I'm going to work and do whatever I want. Well, that's sacrilegious, isn't it? That's an offense to God because we think that we're God somehow, that, that God's word doesn't matter, that somehow when God blesses, he doesn't bless, that somehow when God makes it holy and says this is set apart for holiness, that, that we say it's not. Who are we? Are we God to say so? We can't make that choice. God has made that choice. If a day is holy, it's because the Lord said it's holy. That's the only way that a day can be made holy. Now, Jesus tells us something more about this in Mark 2.27. Did you have a brief question on that? Yeah, there's something that it, it may just, it may, I don't know how another translation reads when I'm reading on 2.3. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because this really stood yeah. out on it. He rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Yes. And it looks to me like he is connecting that day he is. with all his creation. 
Absolutely. That we, that's, that we need to... We need to recognize that connection. Right. God has connected it. Because. Because. So when you think about a holiday or a holy day or whatever it is, you're going to ask the reason, reason, why? Yeah, why? Why that day? Why is that special? You know, if it comes to your birthday, if it comes to your anniversary, they're going to ask the question, why is that special? Well, there's a story behind it. Why it's special. Okay? And God gives us that story. He says, look, I've blessed this day. I've made it holy because I made the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. God is saying, look, I am your creator. Will you come and worship me on my holy day? God is asking us that question. So I think that's a very powerful point you made there. And we're going to come back to that point that you've just made. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. So let's take a look at Mark 2.27. Who would like to read that for us? The words of Jesus. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Thank you very much. So that was 27 and 28. That's perfect. I'm glad you read both of those. So that's Mark 2, 27 and 28. It says, In the words of Jesus, the Sabbath was made for who? For man, not man for the Sabbath. So there are people today that will say, Oh, well, the Sabbath was just for the Jews. And yet the Sabbath, we clearly see, was made holy before ever there was a Jew walking the planet. Long before Abraham ever walked the planet, which was 2,000 years after the creation with Adam. So God had already set apart the seventh day of the week as holy and as a rest day, and he blessed it. That had already happened. And so Jesus says the Sabbath was made not for the Jews here, but he says for mankind. That is Adam and Eve and all of their children from, from you know, the beginning all the way down the line. So God had made this for humanity if we would come and worship Him. If we want to worship our Creator, then we would remember that the Creator has a special day commemorating His creative work, commemorating that God made our world and everything in it, and God made us. So we worship Him as our Creator. That, in fact, that's the connection that we just talked about. That's why He blessed it and made it holy. He set it apart for that very, very special purpose uh, so there from the very beginning, God had made this arrangement for all of us. Now, Jesus says it's made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, it's supposed to be a blessing to us. God blessed it. It was not to be a curse. Some people tried to make the Sabbath out to be a curse. And they tried to make a lot of rules that actually God didn't make. And the Jews had done that in the days of Jesus. Jesus got into a lot of conflicts with the, the Jewish leaders because they had perverted the true intent of the Sabbath. And they had a very legalistic approach, but they had lost the spirit of the Sabbath. They had lost track of it, and they followed their own ways and their own rules. And Jesus said, look, you've made this a burden, and God made it a blessing. It should be a blessing for mankind. I could tell stories about this verse, but you know, one of the things that I always compare it to is a couch. If you have a couch at home, that's a good thing. If you sit on that couch and rest and enjoy it, that's a good thing. But what if I told you to take up that couch every day and when you go to work, carry that couch on your back all the way to work? You're like, wait a second, that's not a blessing. That sounds like a curse to me. I don't want that couch. I don't like couches. I hate couches. You know, don't show me a couch anywhere because you're not using it right. 
because you don't understand what it's for. If you actually laid down on that couch, you would be blessed by the couch. And that's why Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made to be a blessing for us, for humans. It's a blessing, not a curse. And so Jesus says it wasn't the other way around. Man isn't there to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath is there to serve you and me, to be a blessing to us. So Jesus was pointing that out. Jesus had very clear teachings on the Sabbath, and he said that the Son of Man, that's himself, he is the Lord of the Sabbath. It's the Lord's special day. Now, we have to go back to the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 to learn a little bit more about the Sabbath, which I think you're going to see some very important connections coming together here. So Exodus chapter 20, this is the first time that we see the Ten Commandments clearly be, being given. It is not the first time that we see the Sabbath. We've already seen the Sabbath from Genesis, from the first week of creation. And the Sabbath is also mentioned in Exodus 16, as God was leading the children out of Israel out of Egypt, he said that they should remember the Sabbath day to keep, the, keep it holy. He gave them manna six days a week, but on the seventh day there would be no manna, so they had to collect twice as much on the sixth day, the preparation day, so that they could rest on the Sabbath day. That was before they even came to Sinai, before they even got the list of the Ten Commandments. So the Sabbath was already important to God from the very start, from the very beginning of our world. So here in Exodus 20 and verse 8, we find the commandment for the Sabbath. I'm going to read here, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, what's interesting is that this commandment begins with the word remember, and none of the other commandments begin with that word remember. Now, we should obviously remember all the commandments and do them and keep them. That's true. But the Bible says specifically with the Sabbath, remember to keep it holy. This is something we need to remember to do. Do you know a number of the commandments are stated in a negative form where it says that you should not kill or steal or tell lies. But this one here is stated in the positive. I would also say that it says don't make graven images, don't have other gods. So a lot of these first you know, four commandments, basically the three of them are all stated in the negative form. But this one is stated in the positive, something we need to remember to do. So if we don't remember to do it, that's a sin of omission. You know the difference between sins of commission and sins of omission. So there are things that we should not do, and there are other things that we should do. And if we don't do it, that's where we get into trouble. <laughs> right? That's a sin of omitting what you should do. So God says, remember to keep the Sabbath Holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's verse 8. God wants us to remember it. What happens if you forget, if you're married, if you forget your wife's anniversary? Okay. We know, yes, your wedding anniversary. We know that that, that creates problems, relationship issues, because we have forgotten something that was very special. So it doesn't work very well to, to forget and say, well, I was just going to celebrate it next week. You know, I don't think you're going to get away with that one very easily. <laughs> so, so the certain time, specific time, the set time is very important. And it's about a relationship. God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why keep it holy? Because God made it holy. Because God sanctified it at the end of his creation week. 
And then it tells us in verse 9, Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Now that's important for us. Whose Sabbath day is this? Is it your Sabbath versus my Sabbath? We just pick any old day, any old Sabbath? Or does it say here the Sabbath of the Lord, that this is God's Sabbath? And if you want to keep the Sabbath holy, you better do it on God's Sabbath because there is no other Sabbath besides God's Sabbath. He's the one who tells us when to rest. It was God's rest day. And the Bible tells us here that, that we should work for six days, but on the seventh day, this is the Sabbath of God, the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. So this is the Lord's special day, isn't it? The Sabbath of the Lord. This is the biblical Lord's day. It tells us in verse 10, in it, uh, you shall not do any work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. So there we see that the Sabbath was made for everybody, mother and father, children, even your animals and servants. They should rest. Don't go hiring servants on the Sabbath day. You should let them rest. And so we don't want to do that. And then it says, even the stranger who's within your gates, let them come and let them rest. Now in verse 11, it's not done yet. There's still verse 11. It says, for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. Now this is a, this is a word for reason, isn't it? For. In other words, because, because there's a reason. So it's interesting how God goes back into the reason for this. Why should we remember to keep the Sabbath holy? Why should we rest from our labor on the Sabbath? Well, he tells us, verse 11, for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Do you know or do you notice that there is a very direct connection between this verse, verse 11 of Exodus 20, and the first angel's message in Revelation 14, verse 7, where it says, Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is. It essentially is quoting Revelation's call in the, in the first angel to all the world. Revelation's call to worship the Creator God is a call back to worshiping the Creator who gave us the Sabbath day, and it's a, it's a call to remember that. So it's a, actually a call to worship God on the Sabbath day, isn't it? Because you're remembering the Creator who made us, who made everything. The Sabbath is God's day of memorial. Now, if you remove the day of memorial that God made, you're removing the true worship of the Creator. So you might start worshiping somebody else like the creature on a day that the creature set apart instead of the day that the Creator set apart. You see, there's quite a difference, isn't there, between a man-made day of worship or the Creator's day of worship. The Bible says, worship the Creator, worship Him. And so we find that here in verse 11, and it says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He made it holy, he blessed it, he rested on it. That is very, very essential that we understand the connection there 
and that this is all about worshiping the Creator God. The Sabbath day is about worshiping our Creator, worshiping our Maker. And the reason is given there. So the reason was given in Genesis 3, or actually 2, sorry, Genesis uh, chapter 2. And the reason is given right here in the commandment, in the fourth commandment, calling us to worship the Creator. So that we're going to see come back a little bit later towards the end of our lesson. Now, what day of the week is the seventh day of the week? We have multiple ways to tell that. One of those ways is, is in Luke 23 and verse 54 in the New Testament. The Bible helps us to know because people wonder all the time, did we lose track of time somewhere? What happened in our accounting of time? Well, let's go back 2,000 years ago and see what happened when Jesus walked this planet. By the way, they were using the... Um, what's the guy's name? It's not the Gregorian calendar. That was the newer calendar. Uh, Julian just came to my mind. The Julian calendar was the one that they were using, the Romans were using during this time. So Luke 24, or 23, sorry. Luke 23, verse 54. Can someone read that for us, please? It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. Okay, so preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. Now, if you read this chapter, Luke 23, you see that Jesus was on the cross. You see that Jesus was dying on the cross on this particular day. The Bible says that that day in which Jesus was dying on the cross was the preparation day, and the Sabbath was drawing on because the sun was going down in the sky above. The sun was going down, the Sabbath was coming near. And the Bible tells us in verse 54 that the women also which, no, verse 55, that the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Let's ask the question, did the closest followers of Jesus keep the Sabbath commandment? They did. Even during that time when Jesus died on the cross, they were keeping the seventh day Sabbath, holy according to the commandment. Did Jesus teach his followers to honor the commandments, including the Sabbath? He most certainly did. We see that right here, that the followers of Jesus were keeping the Sabbath holy <laughs> according to the commandment. They were resting just like God rested on that day. Now, in Luke 24 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now upon the first day of the... Of the what? Of the week. Okay? Remember, it's God who gave us the week, not man. The origin of the seven-day week is God, not human beings. So it says, Upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. So now you might ask the question, which day of the week is the seventh day Sabbath? And first of all, which day of the week did Jesus rise on? Well, Jesus rose here on the first day of the week, correct? Most every Christian you ask, every person in the world who knows about the story of Jesus will tell you for a fact that Jesus rose on the first day of the week. And what day of the week is that on our calendar? Sunday. Everyone will say, well, Sunday is the day, right, that Jesus rose from the dead. And the Bible says that Sunday is the first day of the week. So what would be the seventh day of the week? Well, that would have to be the day before Sunday, which happens to be 
Saturday. So if we know the day that Jesus rose on, and we do, the first day of the week is Sunday, then we also know which day is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday, the day before Sunday. So that's the Sabbath. And in fact, the Jews have not forgotten. They still keep the, the seventh day, Saturday, Sabbath, holy. And if you look at all the languages of the world, we've already mentioned this with like Spanish, for example, um, you have Sabado. In Russian, you have Subota. In Arabic, you have Asabd. Basically, all these languages of, languages of the world, they know which day is God's holy day, which day is the real seventh day of the week. Now, I have noticed that there has been an attempt over the years, especially on modern calendars, to try and change that, to try and switch it around to say, oh, Monday's the first day of the week. And, uh, you know, to try to finish with those two S's, right? To try to finish with uh, Saturday and then Sunday. A lot of calendars, especially business calendars throughout the world today, have tried to change the weekly cycle. When in fact, God's week is very clear, it's crystal clear, and every Christian knows for a fact which day is the real first day of the week. Because that's the day that Jesus rose on, and everybody knows that was a Sunday. And if you come to Easter time, then you know there was what they called Good Friday, and then there was Holy Saturday, and then there was Easter Sunday, okay? Because we know that this is exactly the sequence here. So there's no missing which day of the week is the Sabbath day, which we are supposed to keep according to the commandment, like the disciples of Jesus did here. We are called to keep it holy. Now, what about Jesus himself? If we take a look for just a moment in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, notice what it says. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Who was brought up in Nazareth? Jesus. Jesus. We're looking here at the story of Jesus in Luke 4 and verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Was Jesus' regular custom or practice to go to worship on the Sabbath day? Yes, and his disciples kept the Sabbath day holy. In fact, to break the Sabbath day would be a sin. It would be a violation of one of the Ten Commandments if they were not keeping it holy. Jesus' enemies tried to accuse him multiple times of breaking the Sabbath. And yet Jesus confronted them in every case and was teaching people how to properly keep the Sabbath. Why would Jesus teach them how to keep the Sabbath if it wasn't important to him? Why waste your time? If you're going to get rid of the Sabbath, if you don't want people to keep it anymore, why do so? Okay, so Jesus kept the Sabbath holy and he taught people in every single one of the Gospels how to keep the Sabbath day holy. We also know already that the Sabbath begins at sundown. So when the Sabbath was drawing on, the sun was going down on that Friday and the Sabbath was coming. Now in Genesis, the evening and the morning were the first day, second day, and so forth. So the dark part of the day comes first, and then the light part of the day comes next. So a 24-hour cycle obviously has a dark portion and a light portion. You have darkness and you have light. Every day is made up of those two periods of darkness and light. So the Sabbath day is actually a full day. It's a full 24 hours. It's not just an hour at church 
or a couple hours at church. It's not just when the light comes up. No, in fact, it is a full 24-hour period from sundown on a Friday to sundown on a Saturday. That is the full Sabbath time, which God blessed and God made holy and God rested on and He calls us to rest on as well. It's an entire 24-hour period. Now, it's in your notes. You can check it out later. Leviticus 23 and verse 32 tells us from Sabbath to... Uh, it, oh, no, evening. From evening to evening you shall celebrate the Sabbath. From evening to evening. Now, there are a number of other verses that kind of deal with this topic. One of them is the connection of worship and the Sabbath day in reference to eternity. Does the prophet in the Bible say anything about that? Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah 66 from our Old Testament. And you're going to see that this, this prophetic language exactly compares to prophetic language that we find in the book of Revelation where the Bible tells us about a new heavens and a new earth. Does Revelation talk about new heavens and a new earth? It does, doesn't it? When you get into Revelation 20, 21, and 22, it tells us about the new heavens and the new earth that God will make. All right, so Isaiah 66, verse 22 and 23. Can I have a volunteer please read? As a new heavens and a new earth, that I might wonder before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. From one wing to another, and from the Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. Okay, thank you very much. So it tells us there in verse 22 about the new heavens and the new earth that God will make. God hasn't made those yet, has He? He hasn't made the new heavens and the new earth yet. We're still living. I haven't seen it yet, right? Right. We're still living on the old, broken, messed up planet that's got a lot of troubles here, a lot of sin and all those kind of things going on. And so, so God hasn't made it all new yet, but He is going to. And Revelation promises that that day is coming and is coming soon. When Jesus comes, He's going to make all things new. So verse 23 says, And it shall come to pass, that is, in the new he heavens and new earth, that from one new moon to another, that's month to month, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to do what? To worship before me, saith the Lord. So did God intend that the Sabbath day should be a special day of worship? Did God also intend that it would be a special day of coming to gather before the Lord? In other words, to assemble for public and corporate worship. Did God say that? Yes, because in the prophetic book here, he says that, that all flesh will come to worship before me. In other words, we'll all gather together to worship God on the Sabbath day. We're going to spend that time right here, even in heaven, in the new, the new heavens and the new earth, we will be worshiping the Lord on the Sabbath day. So if it was important at creation, and it was important you know, throughout the Bible, and throughout the time of Moses, and it's important in the Ten Commandments, and Jesus was keeping the Sabbath, and His disciples were keeping the Sabbath according to the commandment, and the prophets in the Bible say that we're going to be keeping the Sabbath throughout eternity in the new heavens and the new earth, coming together and worshiping God before Him, then why wouldn't it be important now? Wouldn't it be important now? Just as much as it has always been since our world was made? 
Absolutely. And when Jesus tells people about the signs of his coming in Matthew 24, he says, pray that your flight be not on the Sabbath day. So obviously it was going to be important to future generations. It was going to be important to his people who had to flee from Jerusalem in A.D. 70. It would be important to his people living in the last days. The Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments. And God's Ten Commandments are a package deal. If you remove the integrity of any one of God's Ten Commandments, then you're questioning the integrity of all of those Ten Commandments. They all come on the same exact authority. And the Bible tells us in James 2, verses 10 through 12, what God has said in one commandment, you know, it comes with the same authority on the other commandments. So if you keep all the commandments, but you break one point, you're guilty of one point, he says you're guilty of them all. That's in James 2. So it's important that we keep all of God's commandments because we love him. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He tells us that right there in John 14 and verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The motivation is love. And the motivation is, is seeking the Lord, worshiping the Lord, worshiping our creator. God has given us a weekly day of rest and he has not removed it. He has not removed his day of rest. The Bible is clear that from, from Genesis, from creation, all the way to the new heavens and the new earth, the seventh day Sabbath that God has made is important as a day of worship, a day of gathering, a day of holy rest and joy, a day of seeking the Lord. So when you think about what has happened in the New Testament, first of all, uh, some people say, well, is the, is the uh, Sabbath in the early church? Did, they, did the Christians keep the Sabbath in the early church? There are multiple references in the book of Acts to the Sabbath. I'm going to just name a few. We won't have time to read them all, but you can check them out later. Acts 13.42, Acts 16.13, Acts 17.2, Acts 18.4. These are some of the, the uh, references in the New Testament about God's people gathering and preaching the word, not only to the Jews at the synagogues, but even to the Gentiles. The Bible says that the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath, and they were. So there was this, you know, maintenance of God's holy day. Now, the question comes up in the New Testament. Some people say, oh, well, you know, we don't have to keep the Ten Commandments anymore. Those things aren't really needed anymore because Jesus fulfilled the law. Have you heard that before? Because you know what Jesus says? He says that he doesn't get rid of his law. He says that he doesn't get rid of his commandments. Were some things changed? Do we need to make animal sacrifices anymore and all that stuff? No, we don't have to make animal. Because who was the sacrifice? Jesus. But you think about the actual moral law of God. It's the Ten Commandments. And in the New Covenant, the Bible says that God wants to write those commandments in our mind and in our heart not just on tables of stone, but in our mind and in our heart. When you read Hebrews 8 and verse, is it Hebrews 8 verse 10 and Hebrews 10 verse 16, if you read those verses, the Bible talks about the new covenant and God writing it in our minds and in our hearts so that we know his commandments and we love to do his commandments. God has given us his holy commandments. And in the New Testament, the Bible upholds those commandments. Jesus says they are not changed. That's in Matthew 5, verse 17. Now, there is one that I would read here tonight, and that's 1 Corinthians 7, verse 16. 
circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Circumcision became a big controversy in the early church. Do we do circumcision or do we not do circumcision? Acts chapter 15 gave us the, the uh, Jerusalem council, right? Acts chapter 15 gave us the Jerusalem council where they decided clearly God is not calling us to circumcise the flesh in the new covenant. And all the letters of Paul dealt with that. Now we're just talking about circumcision here. Imagine if the apostles were saying, now it's time to change the Ten Commandments. Now we don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore, even though God blessed it, even though God made it holy, even though it's a memorial of creation, uh, even though it's in the Ten Commandments, right? Imagine if they were trying to argue that in the New Testament. They weren't trying to argue that. And it's very clear right here in this verse because he says circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of God's commandments is what matters. That's what counts. So, you see, the Ten Commandments were never changed. He's so clear. He's so clear. God's commandments, you have to keep them because it's the way of righteousness. It tells you what sin is. It tells you what righteousness is. And God is calling us to follow Jesus and do His will, to fear God and keep His commandments. This is what the Bible teaches from cover to cover. And the, the three angels' messages in Revelation call us to worship God, our Creator, to fear God and to keep His commandments. In the end of that crisis in Revelation 14, 12, it says, here are they that have the faith of Jesus and keep the commandments of God. We need to keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. That is what God has called us to. There are eight texts in the New Testament that mention the first day of the week. None of them ever say that the first day was holy. Do you find a text in the New Testament that ever says the first day of the week was holy? None of them ever say that the first day of the week was blessed. None of them ever say that we are now to rest upon the first day of the week. If, you, if anyone can try to find me one Bible verse in the New Testament that ever says we now rest on the first day, I would like to see it. Someone will say in Acts 20, oh, they were worshiping on the, the first day of the week. Well, it says that they had a special service on the first day. And which part of the first day was it? Because it could have been actually on a Saturday night. What we would call Saturday night would be the first day of the week. Once the sun goes down, biblically speaking, it's now the first day of the week. So it could have actually been a Saturday night. Very likely it was. But either way, it was a very special service. It was a unique service. Paul was in a place for seven days and he was leaving the next day. He was leaving on a journey. He preached until midnight and then they stayed up the whole night. Is that a regular church service or is that a special function where you're worshiping God? That's a special function, isn't it? And, and so he preached a long time, the Bible says, even longer than my Bible lessons here, right? He preached a long time. And uh, Eutychus, poor Eutychus, fell asleep, fell out the window, psh, died. On the, when he hit the ground, but thankfully God brought him back to life and he was, he was healed. And so they were able to celebrate together for the rest of the night and then leave early the next day. Paul had a journey to go on. So that was a special service. We can't say that that's now telling us the new day for worship. Where do we get that? There's no commandment. Now what would happen here? I'll finish with this idea. What would happen if you, if you woke up tomorrow and suddenly 
you were supposed to drive on the other side of the road. You know how we drive on the right side of the road here in America? Well, what if you had to drive suddenly on the left side of the road tomorrow when you wake up? That, that's a new rule. But it's not in your driver's handbook. Okay? You've got to drive on the left side of the road when you wake up tomorrow. But it's not in the driver's handbook. What do you think? Would you feel comfortable about that? <laughs> I didn't get the memo. I didn't get the memo. <laughs> You're like, wait a second, there's nothing here. And what if there was no advertisements on TV? Nobody said anything about it. You didn't hear it on the radio. There were no flyers anywhere. Uh, but then suddenly, oh, well, now we're just going to drive on the, uh, the left side of the road. Wouldn't that create a lot of confusion? Wouldn't you have a lot of headaches over that? Wouldn't there be a lot of discussion? Like, wait a second, that's not what I read in my driver's manual. That's not what it told me to do. You see, there'd be a lot of discussion about that. How come the New Testament is absolutely silent and never says anything about a change? It tells us that Jesus and the disciples kept the Sabbath according to the commandment. They kept it holy. The prophets say we're going to keep it in heaven. You know, all of this evidence in the Bible. And why, why are we not following that? And we hear people say, well, we got to keep Sunday holy because of the resurrection. Okay, well, where's the Bible verse that says that? I do know that that's in the, it's in the catechism of Catholic teaching. That's another story. I won't we tell you much more about that. We live in America. They threw the Bible away. People have thrown the Bible away. So, so the thing is, where did this change happen? How did things change? Because the New Testament is silent about it. Well, guess what? We have several lessons coming up where we're going to unpack the story in prophecy and history to see where this change came about because it's not in our New Testament. It's not in the Bible. The Bible only declares the Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week, to be holy and blessed and for rest and for worship. So the question is, are you thankful that God has given us a day of weekly rest and worship to follow Him? Yes. I am thankful for that. So let's follow Jesus in all things. Amen. If it's in the Bible, we want it. If it's not in the Bible, we don't want it. Let's follow Jesus and all of His teachings and commandments. Shall we pray together uh, for that? Yes, let's pray. <laughs> Our Father in heaven, thank you for your wonderful love and blessings. Thank you for Jesus and His truth. Thank you for the Bible that helps us to understand these great and powerful truths, Lord. We want to follow the teaching of Scripture and not things that are coming from other sources. Lord, please help us to learn your word and to follow what your word says. We want to follow Jesus and keep his commandments, to keep your commandments. So Lord, may you bless and keep us today and guide us in your will. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.